1: Superman, yes, very good,
0: very good. See, we're finding a reason to play some of these Jeffs now. <laughs> like I never thought in a million years we'd find a reason to play Donovan. Man, for seriously, podcast.
1: seriously, that was an inspired call, Johnny. Very Thank nice, you, Thank very you. nice. It gave me flashbacks in more ways than <laughs> I will disclose right now. Yeah, because we'll, we'll it's talk about a, it uh, later, but... that is
0: the the pinnacle of tambourine thumping, oh, lava I'm lamp blobs flowing, LSD so right. Flowers and minivans.
1: Summer of Love and flowers Oof. in your hair and all that shit. Yeah. Well,
0: for those who don't know, uh, that is <laughs> a uh, former hit by the uh, Scottish singer-songwriter Donovan. Yes. And yes, it's not Donovan. It's Donovan. Donovan. Yes. And uh, that actually was released in the States in 1967 off of his third album by the same name, Sunshine uh-huh. Superman. All right. And uh, depending where you look, uh, and this is me wagging my finger at Wikipedia, there you go. Uh, the song either finished up number one or number 11 on the <laughs> Billboard Top 100 for a spell. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. You can't believe everything you read online. This is also true. But I did find an interesting snippet, and my co-pilot here, Michael Sean Lee, very quickly shot me down <laughs> with his encyclopedic knowledge of musicians. Was it that quick? It was, was it? that quick, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, playing session guitarist on that yeah. tune was uh, no less than Jimmy Page. The one and only. But she didn't know, working the big board and acting as producer was John Paul Jones. Oh, no kidding. There All you right. go. See, so I right. held that one so in reserve. A yeah,
1: little Zeppelin connection there. Very right? good, very good. So you beat him, folks. Yeah. How you beat them. You know, and if Cut that the song the... doesn't put a smile on your face, man, then you are just cold.
0: Yeah, and I specifically have always loved that song because it's the only one that I'm aware of that mentions Green Lantern. Yes, which
1: brings <laughs> us, that's a nice segue right into our main topic tonight. Right. And, uh, and folks, you have never seen Johnny T light up <laughs> like he did when uh, when they announced uh, Warner DC the uh, the new slate. I think it's what ten projects. Yes, ten projects all DC, which is Johnny's wheelhouse, and uh, and yeah, it's it, it's just. I think by by proximity, I'm excited as well, <laughs> you know, because it really is a situation I think where it's time for you know Marvel to back off. Yep. You know, they, they hit the heights with Avengers Endgame. I don't, you know, it's, that's one of those things. That was like, you know, doing a rumors or a thriller. It's like, right. you're not going to top that, so now it's time to go away for a little while. Yep. And this just, you know, it really does create the opportunity for, you know, Warner Brothers to bring it with DC in their mm-hmm. slate. And, uh, and I know there are at least, what, three different uh, projects that you are particularly excited about?
0: Yeah, that, that, that's what I thought we would, we would open up this episode by talking about three in particular that came across to me that I was already familiar with, that I'm saying to my inner self, self, if they do this right, this could be... I mean, look, if they do it right, they could all be good, but these three in particular, yeah, uh, I just wanted to kind of zoom
1: in on. Yeah, and it really is a matter of doing it right. Um, for those of us uh, who are uh, not necessarily the big DC uh, enthusiasts, just a little 411, director James Gunn, uh, is involved in this, along with producer Peter Saffron, I believe is his name, mm-hmm. and uh, Gunn. He's got a pretty respectable resume. He did the uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. I believe he also directed the Suicide Squad, didn't he? The second one, the yes, second, su- yeah. Yep. So, yeah, they're they're bringing a little something to the table yep. on this, and, and, and behind
0: uh, the uh, the Peacemaker miniseries yeah. on on HBO, which was very successful. Yeah,
1: but to quote him, he did say that the history of DC it's is a mess, pretty yeah. messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to bring it, they're going to unify it, Um, Mm -hmm. they're going to do something. I think that uh, Marvel pretty much um, set the tone, though Gunn did say this is not going to be Marvel 2.0, but Mm -hmm. the whole connectedness of all the projects, I think is something that they're going to bring to bear on this.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, you know, first and foremost, aside from the three, um, word is, don't ask me how this came about. But all of the uh, preemptive scuttlebutt on the Flash movie uh, has been beyond positive. And they never thought that was going to happen with all the bad press uh, going on with... um, Ezra Miller. Right, right, the wackadoo that he is. (laughs) But um, I knew that if they had followed this particular Flash story and brought it to the big screen, because of the element of the alternative versions of the... Um, main superheroes that we all know, in this yeah. case, like, especially Batman, yeah. having the Michael Keaton version and the Ben Affleck version in the same movie, yeah. that's going to pique people's interest. No doubt. You know? No doubt. So, um... Yeah, here we are recording this the day before the Super Bowl. The <laughs> commercials coming out uh, at halftime. Yeah, so I'm looking yeah. forward to that.
1: It should be something to see. I think Ben Affleck's in all of them, pretty much, isn't he? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. He's in every commercial. He's going to get the MVP somehow, indeed. So, just to, again to break things down, let's jump on the first one that I saw, and I was like, "Oh, oh my!" And it would be the uh, the project called Waller, okay, which refers to Amanda Waller, who has already been in a good many incarnations both on film and TV and animation of DC already. Okay. And the interesting thing was she is a character who is an African-American female. Yeah. uh, Take charge... Kind of gal who has been represented as everything from a hero to a supervillain. Right. And kind of makes no apologies. And has had some pretty respectable actresses playing that role. Extremely. I mean, really along the lines of any other mate like Spider-Man or Batman or Superman that's, that's been put on the big screen. Yeah. She's been played by Angela Bassett, Pam Greer... Uh, CCH Pounder, wow. uh, Viola Davis, <laughs> Damn. and and several others that the names escape me, but they've been in all these other big projects, yeah, because they know that it takes someone with gravitas to play this character. Sure, because Amanda Waller has no superpowers; she's a, a, a diplomat slash um, politician slash. Black ops kind of operative, right? Right. Who makes no excuses, takes no prisoners. <laughs> Great
1: potential for a supervillain, I gotta say. Totally, yeah. and
0: it's it's you know written in the books that she is very antagonistic towards Batman and vice versa. <laughs> Here we go, because she heads up the Suicide Squad. Ah, that's okay. her baby. Okay. And that's why she was in both of those movies, right? And she will kill somebody at the drop of a hat if if they disagree with her, they disobey, whatever. Mm. Bump dead woman after my own heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> And the ongoing joke is that Batman's always threatening to shut her down. And what he doesn't know is that she knows full well he's Bruce Wayne. Really? And, and, yeah, and can destroy his life any which way to Sunday. Wow. But it's almost like a begrudging respect, so they kind of back off. Okay. You know? okay. But yeah, neither one approves. That's why they never show them in the same universe, right. so to speak. Right. So that one, I think, is going to be great. They have, you know, They don't need to have... Supervillains or anything like that in this to make it work. Right. It's anything that threatens the United States. That's when boom, she comes into play. Interesting. So now, we shall see.
1: Kind of, you know, being the being the Marvel guy that I am, and mm-hmm. you know, yet another yin and yang. that Johnny's in my relationship? <laughs> He's the DC guy. I'm the Marvel guy. But it it sounds to me vaguely like the Nick Fury uh, character. Vaguely you are the, correct from the Marvel
0: universe. Yep. And she's not as old as that character. She uh, came out in 1986. <laughs> Uh, was invented by this guy John Ostrander, who's kind of credited with creating the Suicide Squad. So okay. that all that stuff kind of kicked in at the same time. Right. So again, if if they take it seriously, it it, it could be very successful. So that it was the first one that jumped like out it at me. it has potential. Seriously. Then we've got, and again, you know, these aren't the only three I think are going to work, but these are the ones I think are going to be the most interesting right. for both fans and non-fans alike. Nice. Which brings us to the next one. They announced they're going to do a project with a character called Booster Gold.
1: Yes, you mentioned that.
0: Which, when I saw this, I think I made a little nerd squeal. (laughs) Perhaps peed myself a little bit. I'm not sure. But Booster Gold is kind of like a a C-level superhero, right? Backstory is, he's set like 400 years in the future. He's a quarterback for the Gotham Knights, whatever their football team is, and gets caught shaving points. So he gets drummed out of the league, he's disgraced, he gets a job as a, as a janitor at night in a museum, okay. which happens to have a superhero wing from the superheroes of this age.
1: You can do so much with a museum. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he has the bright idea, oh, maybe I could take some of these gadgets and you know, kind of be my own superhero. But 400 years in the future, it's like everybody can fly. Everybody's okay. got force fields, you know. <laughs> so he stumbles across a time machine, ah. actually gets it to work, and then comes back to the present day. And unlike anybody right now, he's just in it for the money. Right. So he wants to get corporate sponsorships. He's always trying to get on the news. <laughs> he gets annoyed because everybody confuses him with like Green Lantern and stuff. And he's right. like, my name's Booster Gold. And when they had paired him with the Blue Beetle, the two of them, was, it was written like, almost like a Honeymooner's kind of like comedy skit okay? because every episode they got some new get rich quick scheme that ends (laughs) horribly and it's like they're funny and he's relatable right? but in his heart he's a hero and because he didn't do well in school because he was a jock that just got the scholarship and everything he knows nothing about our history so he can never lean on that and just be like well, I'm from the future, so I know how everything's going to work out. He never paid attention in school. So (laughs) when something's happening and the other heroes look at him like, well, Booster, what happens? And he's like... Yeah, I was I was asleep that day, or I skipped oh, class. He doesn't know what's going on.
1: Great comedic potential here. Total.
0: Yeah. And that one, I, I would say out of all their projects, it's really going to depend on who they get to play that person. Okay. Because they have to have amazing comedic timing. Right. If he was a little um, younger now, I would say the guy, his name escapes me, that played... Uh, Stifler in American Pie. Yep, yep. Okay, he's got that kind of comedic timing. It's got to be somebody who could do Incredulous really well. Right. Um, but I'm sure there's like there's other young talents coming up that could that could yeah. pull it off.
1: And and you know so much of this is writers being able to write the, to the strengths of the actor. Right. So that you know that's that's one of the things that was a I think a hallmark of all the stuff that they did with Marvel mm-hmm. is the writers just so got the actors.
0: And the respective characters right. Right. And that's why Peacemaker worked, because they they wrote for John Cena, who's got he's got comic timing, but he's able to portray like a complete clueless ass really well. Yes. And without making the whole thing like a comedy skit. They could do that with this character, nice. almost like an Inspector Cluzo, right. and then like in spite of himself, actually come up on top by the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, and, and save the day.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, if you have those things in place, I'm again, you know, not the DC guy, but I enjoyed Peacemaker and yeah. I enjoyed seeing Cena play that character.
0: And that's a James Gunn hallmark. I mean, look what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. those were like C tier. Know, superheroes
1: oh, yeah. oh I remember when they first announced it it was like
0: who yeah
1: and they're <laughs> gonna try and make that work right but yeah, they thoroughly did they really did yeah. and it, it was enjoyable and it was fun to see how they weaved it into all the other storylines and all the other superhero movies mm. you know with the Marvel characters right and uh, and yeah if they're able to pull off that kind of uh, synergy mm-hmm. I guess for lack of a better word it it'll be entertaining it'll yeah. be very entertaining
0: well the last one I picked up uh was actually a, a title from the comic books that's been around since the 60s.
1: Yes, this one caught me cuz I'm yeah. familiar
0: with this. And it's this is called The Brave and the Bold. Yeah. And, and the way the issues would work, you know, Batman was normally, not always, but normally one of the superheroes. It was like a team-up episode, right? right. And like Green Arrow was in it a lot or the Flash or yeah. Superman. Yeah. So this is the title they're putting on their next uh what would the phrase be? Canon Instead of the Else Elseworlds, they're going to keep Batman with the uh, the Twilight guy, yeah. Pattinson, right. as like an Elseworlds, Elseworlds title. So not yeah, in the we mainstream. Sh- we
1: should define what the Elseworld is, right, for for those who are not in the know, the non-initiated.
0: <laughs>
3: Yeah, Elseworlds is, is anything way. that yeah. isn't,
0: uh, as, as we say in comic books, canon. So it's not official. Right. So it would be, um, here's an example. If you're a fan of Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. And there's one episode where Star Trek goes up against the xenomorphs from Alien. Okay. Obviously, that's not part of the Star Trek storyline. Right. So it would be like an Elseworlds thing. It's kind of like a what if this one met this one kind right. of thing. right. So they're getting away from the team-ups, or depending how you look at it, they're doing the ultimate team-up.
3: Holy semantics,
4: Batman.
0: And it's going to star Batman and the current incarnation of Robin, which is a young man named Damien, who is his biological son. Interesting. So years ago in the comic books, he had a tryst with this woman, Talia al Ghul, uh, daughter of Raz al Ghul, -Ghul, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, who was in the third... Christopher Nolan, Batman, wasn't, wasn't uh,
0: she? Uh, yeah, she was. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, they had an attraction, whatnot. So, hey, he schtooped her. They got a kid, <laughs> but she hides it from him. Like, you okay. know, she's pregnant at the last page of, of the book, right. says, I'm not going to tell him. And then for like 15, 20 years, they never mention it again. Okay. So, I guess they decided they want to spruce things up. Yep. Now, here's this kid. He finds out about this, this kid. And he's like, he's being raised literally by uh, a cabal of assassins, you know? Yeah. And that's how they write and portray this character. He's a little shit. And he's a murderous little shit. Very interesting. And he knows how good he is. Like, he can go one-on-one. He's like between 10 and 12 years old right now. Right. He can fight Batman to a standstill. (laughs) And he's (laughs) cocky. And he knows it. Okay. And his first move is kind of like... Just kill him. They're a bad guy. Kill him. What, what are we, you know, playing games for? This sounds very anti-heroish. Anti, very anti-heroish. And it's an older, wiser Batman now who doesn't want to see his son turn into a a villain. Right. But he also doesn't want him to, you know, the gift of perspective. Spend his entire life on this 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 mission to rid some place in this case Gotham City right. of crime or make the world a better place. Yeah. At at the risk of his own happiness. Right. You know, like I said, this is an older version of Batman now that kind of sees the forest for the trees. Yeah,
1: and that's a very uh, parental trope. Yes. You know, that you don't want your kid to make the same mistakes you made, follow right. the same path. You want better for your, for your kid.
0: Right. And he, even Alfred can't stand this kid. <laughs> <laughs> and Alfred has like every incarnation of Robin that's come along. You've got the original Dick Grayson, who's now Nightwing, right. acts as kind of like an older brother, okay. and he like begrudgingly gets along with the kid because yeah. he realizes like, the pressure he's under. Sure. and you know Damian would never admit that, but yeah, he knows the, the pressure, and he he loves his father, and he looks up to his father tremendously. Right. so he's kind of like trying to prove himself. Yeah, you know, pretty standard storytelling stuff. Right. right. You know? Now, correct
1: me if I'm wrong, but didn't they kill off a version of Robin at some point?
0: They did. This the second one, Jason Todd, okay. who was kind of like a like a street thug kind of, yep. and he meets Batman when he gets caught trying to steal the wheels off the Batmobile. <laughs> to put that in perspective, <laughs> right? Nice. And he was just such a punk through his whole run that they had this this series, uh, Lonely Place of Dying, right. and at the very end he gets blown up in his factory, but they left it up to the fans to call a 1-800 number and decide if he lives or dies. Right, right? and they obviously decided... They offed his ass. But, <laughs> nice. I mean, even he came back years later. Okay. You know, and it's yeah. just like, nobody ever stays dead in these books. This is true. But, you know, like I said, I don't know what actors are possibly going to come up with to portray these individuals. Right. You know, right. the kid's going to have to be a true kid. No more of this, you know... Uh, when they put Chris O'Donnell in as like a 25-year-old Robin. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, hopefully that's the Robin
0: version that got killed off. Yeah, and whoever they pick as Batman is going to have to have some acting chops to emote that dichotomy of, you know, I'm going to be a teacher because I want this kid to stay alive, but at the same time, I don't want him to be a, a, a brute.
1: Right, know. right. Now, if you were to put into the position of casting these roles, do you have anybody in mind, any actors you think would fit?
0: Not a clue, but l- let me hit you with this. The, um, already now, because he's been in the comics with him for about, let's just say, f- five years. Okay. And they've gotten their own new set of villains that are really just germane to him. Right. So what made me fall <laughs> in love with this kid as, as Robin and say, yep, this one's going to work. Yeah. The first guy they went up against was an assassin called the Flamingo. Okay. okay, and he was uh, employed by South American drug cartels, and he would cut off people's faces and wear them around like as a disguise and shit. Oh, nice. Not a nice person. No, you know. Not at all. And everybody was scared shitless of this flamingo. I can understand that. Well, when they finally have the big splash page, when they meet, <laughs> the flamingo looks just like Prince on his Purple Rain motorcycle, no, right? really? With like a Spanish bullfighter outfit, okay. the jerry-curled hair, and holding a whip. So the next page, they show Batman and Robin looking down the alley at this guy, and then they do a close-up of Robin saying, I was expecting scary, not gay. <laughs> and it just worked. <laughs> you, you didn't, the laughter came first. You didn't have a chance to even think about getting offended, because that's he calls it like he sees it, you know? <laughs> Nice. So, that's that. So, I mean, those three, you know, and like I said, honorable mention to the Blue Beetle, yeah. uh, which now is the third incarnation of that hero, and they're using uh, the current storyline, which is a young Hispanic kid that inherits this talisman, which right. is actually, uh, you can compare it to a mechanical version of the Venom symbiote, okay, because yeah. the exact same thing happens. It takes over, now you're covered in armor and gadgets, and <laughs> it's got its own agenda, Um
1: i got to say, the whole concept of the Elseworld mm-hmm. was a brilliant move on the part of you know, the producers in the studio because that way they can maintain like the Rob Patterson version right. of Batman. It's a, it's a great safety valve. Yeah, exactly. Anything that, that, that did well but doesn't necessarily fit into the slate, they can kind of shove into this exactly. uh, envelope, <laughs> if you will, and keep it going. Because, yeah, I, I think it would be kind of a shame... Um, it took a while, but eventually the Batman, the Rob Patterson movie mm-hmm. kind of sunk in on me. It took, It right. took a bit, you know, and, and, and I would like to see where they're going with that, yeah. but at the same time, um I'm trying to trying to remember which one of them was quoted as saying that, yeah, we have a new Batman for the d c. u, so they can they can they can run the two parallel, right. they, can, they can do this with this concept of the else world. Yep. you know, pretty brilliant, I got to say,
0: yeah. Hey, look, uh, this could change on a drop of a hat. He's, right. It's all fluid. You know, you right. could say, all right, yeah, these are our, our projects from now until 2025. Yeah. I ain't going to hold my breath. Let's wait and see what happens. Yeah.
1: Well, I think the whole thing is like on a 10 year layout plan, right. if I remember correctly. And the
0: thing that I don't get is that they've got other projects that are in the works and are already on, on TV yeah. and in video game format that they don't mention. So they were saying and they, they presented this as like, all right, we're doing a hard stop on everything. Interesting. Yet they didn't mention these projects. And yeah. one of them starts on the CW, I think, next week or something. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Gotham City like, like backstory. Yeah. And the hard stop was not without controversy.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they hit the brakes on, you know, doing a third installment of Wonder
0: Woman. Yep. Uh, what
1: was the film they had in the can that they said? Oh, Batgirl. Oh, Batgirl.
0: Which they came out and said last week, it wasn't fit. For consumption. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and it was like, wow. And then they, they, they narrowed it down. So I think we're still going to see it someday. Yeah. They said it was obviously meant for the small screen, not for okay. the big screen. And people would notice like budget, budgetary constraints and like, right. routes they weren't able to take. So, yeah. I mean, hey, that's fair. It's a good way to deflate releasing a possible bomb. Also true, yeah. Of course, it didn't yeah. stop them with Batman and Robin, with Schwarzenegger e- and Ume Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. whatever. And Maybe also,
1: Henry Cable... I'm yeah. uh, not going to be the new Superman. First
0: they said he's in, next week he's out. So like yeah. I said, any of this is, is subject to change. Yeah, yeah. It it it
1: sounds like it has
0: potential. Yeah, the only one, sadly, that I'll touch on last that I think is not going to work, uh, is the Lanterns. Aww. Okay. Because now they've switched the scope of the uh, of the Green Lantern series they were already going to do. Right. Now they're saying, well we're gonna switch it up and it's gonna be more like true detective because the Green Lanterns are interstellar cops. That's right. that's their story. Right. So but what it's do you gonna think take it's not gonna place work? on Earth. Too small scale. Really? You know, just like people to a certain point they need to see Superman fight giant monsters and aliens. Right. Just to get some scope as to this guy's power. Yeah. That's the same thing with the Green Lanterns. It needs to be done on a cosmic scale, much like the Silver Surfer. Right. You don't want him attacking like muggers and whatnot. No, you know no, that wouldn't work. Right. Galactus doesn't go to McDonald's. He eats planets. And that's <laughs> that's how he needs to be presented. Yeah. You know. Yep. Hulk Smash is much more interesting if he's going up against an entire regiment of of, of uh, artillery sure. versus just again beating up muggers yeah, and some and a, random uh, scumbag right. on the street. Sure. So sure. again, it's kind of like you know, go big or just go yeah. home. and.
1: Now, would it be safe to say that this whole thing is going to start with the Flash film that's going to come out in June?
0: This is correct. That's going to be their linchpin in which everything starts to get redefined. Right. And uh, like I said, early Scuttlebutt has it knocking it out the park, so we'll see. Yeah, the the, the I have definitely heard that about the Flash film. Yeah. That it... it, it, it they're very, very pleased with it. And,
1: yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it measures up to the hype.
0: Yeah, and I'll just say this without giving away anything. If they do follow the, uh, the Flashpoint paradox theme of the yeah. famous series, there will be weepy moments in this movie. Really? It's, yeah, it's going to really explore uh, a lot of stuff. Interesting. So let, let's see if they pull it off that way. Yeah. Um, in which case, yeah, it's a very good place to kind of stop, realign, see who's in, see who's out, Wow. And uh, they will take it from there. Yeah, be interesting to see. Yep. Very interesting to see. So there you have it, folks. Yeah, and and you <laughs> know, being being a
1: Marvel person and whatnot, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what they can do with it. Yeah. And
0: as a long suffering cinematic DC fan, <laughs> I just hope they get it right. I mean, please, come on. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, something to look forward to, folks, as we uh, as we try and get out of this. Godforsaken winner. Exactly. Yes. And speaking of
0: things to look forward to,
1: this town needs an enema.
0: This places us at the middle jam. Oh,
1: weird. I like it.
0: And a total change of direction. Yeah. <laughs> take, <laughs> to take
1: it away. It the least. Well, it's, it, yeah, I guess, yeah, this is an abrupt left hand turn, but yeah, <laughs> we're, uh, we're going to do something that, uh, you know, has not come without some degree of consternation. We're going to wade into uh, the breach.
0: Uh, yes. Or yes. wait into the britches, however yes. you want to phrase it. If,
1: if you know what the acronym <laughs> turf means, uh, that'll give you an idea of where we're going with this, folks. Yep. And uh, we're going to maintain the, the fantasy aspect of it, uh, you know, for all you Harry Potter fans out there. Uh, just to give you another hint as to where we're going with this. And it, uh, it seems to be very appropriate that we're going to kick it off with this particular gem. And I do want to say, folks, Johnny twisted my arm on this one, but <laughs> his logic was undeniable, and, uh, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, this is obviously a band that's near and dear to my heart, being from Boston. Uh, this is Aerosmith doing Dude Looks Like a Lady.
0: Indeed. Enjoy it all, folks. Enjoy it all. We'll make it make sense when we come back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. That song always makes me laugh. And I'm really so glad does. you allowed us to play that without making that, that scrunchy, cynical face uh, that I hate. I know, I know, I Because I brought up that song before, and you were like, oh, God, tell me you're kidding. I, I, I do recall
1: that. <laughs> I do recall that. But, you know, times change. And and I got to say, uh, given the research I've done on the song, it is most appropriate <laughs> for where we're going tonight. Fair enough. But, uh, yes, uh, That was the first single from uh, Aerosmith's 1997 album, Permanent Vacation, and uh, I'm sure it's not too hard to believe that Joe Joe Perry in particular was uh, very concerned that the song might offend the gay community, but uh, Desmond Child, who was an outside songwriter, this was a first for Aerosmith working with outside songwriters, Desmond Child came in and uh, told them, you know, look, I'm gay and I'm not offended by it, I think it's great. And uh, the song, the the line was originally "cruising for a Lady, Mm -hmm. or "cruising for a Ladies, and then they changed that to Dude Looks Like a Lady after hanging out with Motley Crue, and uh, Motley Crue, yeah, I know, (laughs) being from Southern California, everything was Dude This, Dude That, so that eventually evolved into Dude Looks Like a Lady, and it's kind of funny, because initially the song came out, and I don't think anybody was particularly offended by it, but... Over the years, it has drawn criticism for being transphobic, but of all people, Caitlyn Jenner in 2017 called the song her theme song. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so gave him a little coverage to say the least, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're segueing into... <laughs> Uncharted territory, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, this was triggered by the new uh, character in a... Harry Potter film spinoff. What was this now? Is a video it's a game? Video think, game. Yeah, a video
0: game. They have their first uh, transgendered character entering the Potterverse. Right, right. And uh, let me just preface this whole segment with, you know what, folks? Sometimes me and Mike, we're, we're at a breaking point <laughs> because there's serious things going on in the world, and yet... What all y'all keep focusing on, yeah. if the news is to be believed, yeah. is the stupidest shit you can possibly this come is, up this with. This is some
1: unbelievably stupid shit, right? Um, so,
0: from thirty thousand feet, yeah. let's just say it's it's the ongoing debate because people who were fans of someone's work, whereas they created a fictional. Universe yeah. populated with wizards and witches and monsters and goblins and the like yeah. is being assaulted because she's non inclusive. Right, right. <laughs> uh, once again, unless you're living in a
1: cave with poor Wi Fi, Harry Potter author and, and uh, creator J.K. Rowling has been accused of being transphobic. Yeah. And this apparently was a trip. <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, is that the proper term, trip, or what is it that sets people off? Or oh, whatever? a trigger. A trigger, yes, yes, that's the word I'm looking for. It was somehow a trigger,
3: thank Wrong you for trigger. that, yes.
1: <laughs> um, that led to accusations or resurfaced accusations that J.K. Rowling is in some way, shape, or form transphobic, and I have to say, I went through every single J.K. Rowling quote Every single post, every single tweet mm-hmm. uh, that supposedly indicated that she was in some way, shape, or form transphobic, transphobic. and just for you know those people out there who are stupid, <laughs> um, the Miriam Webster definition of transphobic is an irrational fear of aversion to or discrimination against transgender people... And nothing that J.K. Rowling has said or tweeted indicates that she's transphobic. I'm sorry, no, that's right. completely wrong. Uh, what J.K. Rowling is, she's an old school feminist. Okay, and this is what the radical uh, trans community supporters, and I'm not even talking about people who are trans. I'm talking about the people who are leaping to the defense in the in the the apparent thinking that this is the new civil rights battle, which it is not that uh, she has somehow got an issue uh, with trans people, and she doesn't. She's in, Like I said, she's an old-school feminist, mm-hmm. and the old-school feminists have an issue with uh, the idea that there is this blanket acceptance of trans women as actual women. And I don't know why they won't sit down and discuss this as opposed to, like, throwing rocks. Right. But for an old-school feminist who's been through the battles as far as... You know, getting equal pay as far as voting rights and all this other stuff. They have an issue with this and a very understandable issue with this. But it Mm -hmm. doesn't make them transphobic. Right. And she does not fall into the definition of. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, I mean, you thought like gun people or religious people (laughs) were fanatical. Like I said, going into this and seeing the reaction of J.K. Oh, my
0: God. Right.
1: Just, oh, my God, over the top
0: well, in in the same vein, another story that came out last week apparently um it was noted that uh j r. R. Tolkien, who wrote lord of the Rings yes. uh would never invite elves to his cocktail parties It, it seems he <laughs> was a bit prejudiced <laughs> against them in in real life, but in the books he wrote them very you know favorably yeah this is such nonsense oh, it's, i it's, mean it's insane and you look at j k rowling and and, and I'll say this I am not uh Compared to anybody else, I guess. A, a big fan of the Harry Potter verse. Truth be told, I am. I'm a I'm a Lord of the Rings kind of guy. I right. take my my mythology seriously. Sure. So you're not gonna find me at at the theme park or buying the toys. I've never watched a single Harry Potter movie the whole way through.
2: Yep.
0: However, this is a woman through blood, sweat, and tears, you know, worked herself out of let's start at the beginning, an abusive relationship, yes, homelessness, yes. extreme poverty, right? Mm-hmm wrote these books, created an entertainment empire, and more importantly, it ignited an interest in reading across generations that did not exist before. Yes. There was a time, folks, in the days when we had bookstores, that the same people would populate the bookstores every week. Those who were in tune to the New York Times bestseller <laughs> list, or scholars, or kids that needed cliff notes for school. I, and, and some might say this is you know, heaping too much praise on her. But again, from my perspective, this woman made reading sexy again. And it wasn't just for kids. It wasn't just for adults. It reached across to all different kind of people and, and gave something positive for them to unite behind.
1: Absolutely remarkable accomplishments. And right. what she's been accused of, and again, if you're just completely oblivious to current events... Uh, they've accused her of being what's called a TERF. Mm. And that uh, that's an acronym for trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And she is anything but. Right. She's anything but. And there's something about these people that are defending trans rights. They're just locked into the dogma. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely locked into the dogma. And will not contemplate anything outside the most literal extreme perception of this dogma mm-hmm. you know any anything outside of this and they attack like rabid dogs right. it's insane it's absolutely and it's, insane. you know
0: you're not, you're not going to find at least easily you're not going to find an expert on this debate but i think you know it, it it it's important that we hear from you know both sides and no i don't want to i don't want to bring one of these turf people on <laughs> but we were able to actually get a sound bite from two people who do know J.K. Rowling, Rowing. quite well. Intimately, I would say. And they're Intimately. familiar, very familiar with the, with the Potterverse. And uh, well, well, here it is. We, we call it a snippet of their conversation. And well, let's see how they weigh in on the subject. Hello to
1: everyone in the Potterverse. This is Rubius Hagrid, and I'm here to testify that J.K. Rowling did not shag a smurf. What? Oh, I should not have said that.
0: I'm here to testify that
1: J.K. Rowling is not
0: a twerf. What's a twerf? Oh my goodness, you bulbous, bumbling bugbear. I am Lord Voldemort, and I'm here to tell you exactly what these buggles are saying. Apparently a turf is uh, something like a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, whatever that is. And frankly, based on what I've seen, nothing smells amiss to me. Well, that's because one who shall not be named, you have no nose. Well, be that as it may. J. K. Rowling has always treated me with affection as a character, regardless of, of how I smell.
1: And I can smell you all over all the way over here, but I will lick you what you just said, and she is not a mudblood.
0: Mm, fair enough, for that, I will agree with you, you shambling mound of mulch. I don't
1: think we're going to get a stronger testimonial than that. That's uh, pretty spot on. I yeah. guess those guys I'm would know. Thinking so. I'm thinking so. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, uh, the specific definition of transphobia is the irrational fear of aversion to or discrimination against transgender people. And if anybody has read... Uh, what J.K. Rowling has said, they will see that, that it's anything but. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is not transphobic. She has an issue with the blanket acceptance of trans women as women and the dogma. Right. And for those people who don't know what dogma <laughs> is, it is
0: the acceptance of
1: without question whatever.
0: You know, we have a very smart audience. We I think do. They, I think they know think what dogma get is. I yeah. think they'll get it. Especially in a Bible belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The
4: Buddy Christ.
1: So yeah, this is this is a uh, to quote Shakespeare, a tempest in a teapot, folks. This nice, is, yeah, nice like reference. Like yeah. yeah,
3: benefits of a classical
1: education. And uh, and yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, even like Muslim extremists are looking at these people, going, "Whoa, calm down, You're yeah, guys, you guys need to chill."
0: And uh, and yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's absurdity, it's extreme yeah. absurdity. And I find myself in situations like this taken a stance that I personally abhor, which is when people just come back with a very simple, eh, I don't give a shit, you know, or yeah. I don't care. Or this. Yeah. Because you should care about everything because everything's interconnected, you know, and and little wrongdoings and little accusations turn into big wrongdoings and big accusations. And in this case, I, I, I don't want to give anybody free reign to cast dispersions on somebody, especially somebody famous, yeah. who is certainly just in my opinion done more good in the world than harm oh yeah and it's just like find another target well you one, know? Of the,
1: one of the things that I think is a giant red flag as far as you know these trans supporters uh, are concerned is they're not willing to discuss
0: right they're willing to know? yell and, yeah, and threaten and, and and cajole and
1: yeah it's its scream and throw rocks yeah. and you know it's it's beyond uh, civil discussion of a contested, Right uh, consideration, and it's just absurd, and, and it validates your position if you're like that. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. you know, if you're not not willing to discuss it, if you're not willing to debate it, I mean, it's 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 interesting. The whole concept of censorship, you know, uh, you meet disagreements with words. You don't censure them. You don't shout them down. You don't bury them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's an incredibly. Uh, Indicative that your position, really, if it is discussed,
0: is untenable. Right. And just like my good friend, Dobby the Elf.
2: <laughs> Dobby is free.
0: We're all free. <laughs> uh, we're all able to speak freely. freedom of speech. You know, the Absolutely. amendment. And, and it's just, you know, people just need to just accept things. And you know what? If somebody says something that just really doesn't jive with, with your views and whatnot. Yeah. Don't make your first move just getting offended and having to make a federal case out of it. Just shut the F up. Look, I I curbed my curse word there. And just, (laughs) just, you know, just go along to get along for once, you insipid fools.
1: Yeah, this absurd (laughs) playing of the victim card is indicative of the fact that your position is untenable.
0: Right. It's untenable. And they've all got way too much time on their hands. It would been. You know? we, we live literally in a world of injustice, and this is where they're going to focus their energies. I'm not buying it. No,
1: not at all. Not at all. It's not, nothing about it has any validity to me right. at all. You it's know?
0: almost like they have, I don't know, like, like an identity crisis of their own they're dealing with. Oh, interesting you brought that up, Johnny. Why so? Because
1: I think we're going to segue now into our third gem. Oh, my. Which just <laughs> happens to be... <laughs> an absolute classic by the new york dolls identity crisis identity crisis how fortuitous it's like i knew ahead of time you you, you seem to have the deck stacked on me Johnny,
0: i got to say it's I gotta say.
1: but hell of a call nonetheless hell of a
0: call indeed we're going to spin this famous tune for you right now folks and we'll be back afterwards with some more things and stuff in a bit of a wrap up Punk rock tune.
1: Those are the New York Dolls, folks.
0: And I would call them punk rock. Is that a fair assessment? Oh
1: God, yes, okay, absolutely, good. absolutely. They were they were a myriad of things: punk mm-hmm. rock, glam rock. They were a product of their times. New York in the early nineteen seventies,
0: right? You know, it it just
1: yeah. This dolls. is of course
0: David Johansen before he became before Buster, Buster, Buster Poindexter, Point Dexter. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: So, anyway, Personality Crisis was released in 1973 as the lead single from the dolls self-titled debut album. Uh, the song was written by dolls vocalist, David Johansson, and mm-hmm. dolls guitarist, Johnny Thunders. Uh, at the time, uh, music journalist Tony Fletcher called it an instant glitter rock anthem. <laughs> and uh, in, uh, in a nod to that reality, uh, the song has been covered by such rock luminaries as Sonic Youth, Teenage Fan Club, and Elastica. Todd Rundgren did a version, as did Scott Weiland on a solo project.
0: Why does that not surprise me at all? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs>
1: and uh, and yeah, like I said, coming out of that middle, that second segment, that felt good. It just really felt good.
0: Yeah, now, again, we're not saying that these individuals we had referenced are <laughs> suffering an identity crisis of yes, any sort. Yeah, here sorts.
1: comes the asterisk.
0: Yes. But if our listeners choose to pick up that the point of view and run with it so be it absolutely we have no control over
1: that no not at all and if anybody wants to debate the topic let's do it because let's that's the it. thing if people are unwilling <laughs> to discuss their position yes as these folks are
0: you know what and somewhere in there is a fantastic psa michael i do um yeah never be afraid to talk about anything because yeah. that's how they win yep
1: absolutely i could not agree more nice johnny nice
0: all right. So anyway,
1: Oof. what's new in Big Boom Radio
0: this week, John? Oh, my God. I am buried in a hell of my own making. <laughs> the uh, transition from our former hosts yes. for the station continues. All right. Uh, and this is kind of like a, like a DYI project. Okay. And it's, uh, it's a great myth amongst my, my friends and even in family. And I don't know how this got started. Uh-huh. But I'm really not, what's the word, bright? Message and um, <laughs> everybody really? thinks I am very comfortable with computers and software and, and broadcasting. Really, no. I, I know what I need to know. Yeah, and I'm already missing a lot of the creature comforts that we were paying these people for, ah. like like drag and drop menus and things in right, right. the like. Twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah. yeah. Now that being said, yep. I will endeavor to persevere. Okay. And uh oh yeah, we're, we're gonna make this shit work. Nice. And. um along with the new incarnation of the site yes which by the way we are up and running on bigboomradio.com indeed and you notice that we have a new feature now which we're still tweaking but yeah, yeah. it'll show you the last 5 songs played nice which is a thing All right. and it's got a it's a they're clickable so that you can go right to iTunes or wherever you get your music there go. and uh purchase the song nice. right in there which i wholeheartedly encourage people to do absolutely you know another fun little offshoot of this new version yeah. of Big Boom Radio, and I know yes. you're a big fan. I am. Commercial free. Nice.
2: <laughs> nice. So don't ask me
0: how we're going to pay the rent now. That's a good question. But as we <laughs> release every <laughs> single intern. Yep. Uh, but yeah, for for the time being at least, it's uh, commercial free. So yeah, that's going to take some getting used to, because that's how we were the first couple years I started this. Yep. And it, it was great, you know, and people liked it because who wants to listen to commercials, you indeed, know? Indeed. But But, um, you know, yeah. we're,
2: we're, we're, we're we're
1: thrilled, absolutely thrilled that we are commercial free and yep. we hope our audience enjoys that, but we're not opposed to some venture capitalist coming along and saying, hey.
0: Well, that's the thing. Now we need sponsorships. There we go. And, you know, because we're not making any money off of this, there will be, like, a GoFundMe beggar's bucket <laughs> on, somewhere on this site just to, you know, Help us
1: out because it's like an educational thing. Somebody's got to help us out with the five-hour energy that exactly. is required to that do
0: that this alone, show, right? Yes, and you know, other little fun things. Yeah, you know, there's going to be downloadable on-demand content. Wow! So probably the first to feature that. It's you know, even though you can get this podcast. Anywhere you find it, you can download it for free. Yep. We're going to have, say, like the last 10 episodes readily available on the website, yep. um, as well as episodes of our flagship show, The Rockabilly Rumble. Nice. So the first time ever downloadable for you to keep and to have. Yep, Yep. That's important. Sounds <laughs> like
1: 2023 is shaping up to be a very exciting year.
0: Yeah, and I didn't plan it this way, so maybe that's <laughs> like an indicator of it is going to come off well. We're winging it, folks. We're winging it. I never would have. planned Let me put more work on myself. Indeed. Hugh doesn't sleep Indeed. anyway. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's cutting now. It's officially cutting into my poop time. Yeah, I do not have time to
1: poop. We're about to segue from five hour <laughs> energy to Adderall,
0: folks. So <laughs> literally, help us out here. So that's all about what's going on with that. Yes. And I'll say this. Uh, I'm going to speculate that probably by the 19th, our lineup on a daily basis will resemble very, very closely what we've had for this whole length of time as far as what shows and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, like last week, I think it was Saturday morning, 70s is back. I'm loving that. 90s overnight goes bye-bye. Oops. Because you know what? It's going to be mixed in in our rotation anyway. Yep. Um, and, you know, I did that because I know people that work late at night. It's hard to find stuff that can keep you awake on that shift. Absolutely. Um, but they'll be okay with our, our regular classic rock lineup, I think. Yeah.
1: I like that idea.
0: I do. Cool. Well, that's stamp yeah. standard rule that I'm going to take and run with. There we go. So on that note, that's it for this episode. So thank you for joining us. And as always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Shawn Lee, And we'll see us all on the flip side.